Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Good morning. It's good to see you. You know, it seems like that was so long ago, right? The, the old Lang Syne, you know, or however you say it. Uh, it's foreign, so I don't know how you say it. But anyway, it seems like forever and ago, but it's only been four weeks, and we're talking about the new year and the new you, and what a perfect song that God will never fail us. Uh, and we're going to be talking about our financial health today, and so I'm glad that you're here to do that. My name is Nikki McCrary. If I haven't met you and you're a new guest, I'd love to meet you sometimes at, uh, sometime after the service. I'll be off to the side here somewhere, and, and uh, so come by and introduce yourself to me, but we are really glad you're here, and if you have never attended our Jumpstart class in a couple of Sundays, we're going to have that on a Sunday right after church. It's a time where we offer you a free lunch, get to meet some of the staff, couple of other church members, and we're not going to inundate you with all kinds of church information during that free lunch. It's just kind of a real laid-back, get-to-know-you time, but we'll actually have our new members class where we will give you a lot more information about how that you have a purpose with God, and we want you to discover that and how you can use your gifting and, and everything that God's created you to be here at Eastern Heights in a ministry, and we'll talk about that in our membership class. And that'll be right after the lunch. It's about an hour long. We have child care for fifth grade and below. We just have to register online or by calling the church office using the Connect card in front of you, and we hope that you'll take advantage of that. Now, taking the class doesn't mean you have to join. That's still up to you, but we'd like to invite you to come and be a part of that, all right? If you have your Bibles, take them in 5 Second Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. Uh, as we are now in our fourth week, and like I said, you know, it seems like forever, but it's really not too late to make some changes and adjustments in some of these areas that we've been talking about if you've kind of gotten off track, because we do have a tendency to get off track as the year goes along, and that's why we're talking about this new you in a new year, and, and uh, so I hope that you'll do that. We've been talking about being on track spiritually, been talking about being on track physically. Last week we talked about emotionally. Today the topic is financially. And being the new you that God intended you and created you to be in the area of finances. And so I want, I want to get a couple of things straight right off the bat, okay? Because usually we have guests and new people here. And I want you to know if you're new here today, we do not talk about finances every week here at Eastern Heights. We really, really don't, okay? And so I want you to understand that right off the bat. Um, and and uh, we just want you to be sure that you understand that we are not uh, that kind of church where we're begging for your money, all right? Because uh, that's not what this message is about. It's not about a new year and a new budget year and us needing your money as the church because the Bible tells me that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Right? And, and with the price of beef this day, these days, that means uh, God's in good shape. 
and we're in good shape. We, we got this, all right? We're, we're going to be just fine. God's got all this under control. And so God in the church doesn't need your money. But God does want you to be the new you financially that he created you to be, which means the old financial you's got to go, all right? And the old financial you uh, could greatly benefit from some of the biblical principles that we're going to be talking about today, and so I'm glad that you picked this day, even though we don't talk about it every week. I think you're going to learn some good, sound financial principles today that will help you, and it will help the old you to move out of being so stressed out about your finances, because recent studies have told us that there are three major things that stress us out more than anything else. The third thing that stresses us out more than anything else is our job or our career. Can anybody say amen to that? All right, I got a few out of that. The second factor that freaks us out more than anything else is our personal relationships. Better not say anything there, guys. All right. Yeah, Joe's going to say, Joe, that's good. You, you're a smart man. Joe said, I ain't saying a word. All right, but our personal relationship may be a husband and wife. It may be, you know, a, a parent and a child. It might be, you know, uh, friends, uh, co-workers. But personal relationships stress out. But the thing that stresses us out twice as much as any one of these other two things together is money and finances, right? It's because 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And what that means is they have no savings and they're two paychecks away from losing everything that they have. Well, folks, 70% of people doing that, no wonder they're stressed out. That's a lot of stress to have to deal with. And if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down. God wants you to be blessed and not stressed, all right? That's what he created you to be. He created you to be blessed and not stressed. So this message today centers around two biblical facts. Number one is a disciple of God practices obedience to God in all areas of their life, including finances. The second thing is the primary reason God wants us to be blessed financially and God cares about your finances is because he wants to bless you in this area so that you can be a blessing to other people people with your finances. That, that's it. That's the primary reason why. So what does God say about it? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. While you're still turning there, maybe many of you that are new to Christianity or the church, y'all might not have realized that God in his word speaks more about this one subject of finances more than any other single subject in the entire Bible, including the subject of hell. God speaks more about finances than he does the subject of hell. So that tells me that God is very concerned and your financial health is very important to God. So our key passage today, we find this New Testament church that's just started up in a city called Corinth. It's a very important city, very important church, and a bunch of new Christians were there. Paul's coming through and he's kind of giving them a report about what he sees that they've been doing. And so this report he gives some advice to the new church there in Corinth, and this advice has now become the written word of God, so it's advice to all churches, including our church here at Eastern Heights. And here's what he says. He says, Since you excelled in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. In other words, Paul is saying, you know, you're doing a really good job with your faith, man. Y'all got a lot of faith. You know, you're really talking. Your speech has changed a lot. You're talking more about things that new Christians ought to be talking about. 
you know, when it comes to loving others, that's on the upswing in your knowledge, man. Your knowledge about Christianity has grown so much. Matter of fact, y'all are excelling in all of these things. And then he pauses and almost kind of like gives a command. He says, I want you to also, though, excel in the gracious act of giving. That one you're not doing so good in. I want you to be, be where you can excel in that. You're giving, but I want you to excel in the gracious act of giving. He says, I, I want you to understand that this new way of doing things as a New Testament church and a, the new Christianity that Jesus has come to give us, I know you learned about giving normally as you were growing up, but I want you to move beyond normal giving to I want you to become an exceller in your giving. See the difference? I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. And so to help us to apply some of these biblical principles God wants us to know financially today, I'm going to use what's called the generosity ladder. And I know some of you have heard of it, some of you haven't. I'd like to get an idea, though. How many of you have heard of the generosity ladder? You know what I'm talking about with the generosity ladder. All right, I don't see a single hand. So that means none of us are wasting our time today. We're all going to learn something. That's good. Now, if you want to learn more about the generosity ladder, there's a book about it named The Generosity Ladder, and it's by Nelson Searcy. If you want to order that, get that. It'll give you some more information about it. When I get through, you really might want to look into it more. But basically, it's a simple visual tool that helps us to see where we are in our relationship with our money and our relationship with God. Go ahead and show that generosity ladder there. It shows us our relationship with our money as it is in relationship uh, to our relationship with God, all right? And the gist of it is that the higher that you are on this rung of this ladder, the closer you are in your relationship with God being in control of your finances instead of you being in control of your finances, okay? And so we're going to look not only where you are individually on this ladder, but we're going to look at where we are as a church. And to make things a little easier on us, since it's going to get personal here in a little bit, we're going to start out easy, and we'll start out by looking where we are as a church on this generosity ladder. Now, I want you to know that I don't have access to any information financially of anybody in this church. I can't get into any of that information. I don't want to get into any of that information, okay? However, our system that does all that, our program for finances, will give us some demographic reports. And so I asked for those, and I've got some demographics I want to report to you financially as a church this morning, but I don't know any of the names attached with them. So this is just information. But we found out in 2021, this past year, we had 135 giving units here at our church, which meant, uh, and, and a lot of those units Combine husband and wife. So if you're a husband and wife and you live in a household and both of you uh, tithe or give or whatever, you gave any kind of money, it probably combined you together in a given unit. So we have more than 135 people giving, but it, it breaks it down into 135 given units. You with me? All right, so each giving unit this past year gave an average of $300 a month. Okay, so again, that's some husband and wife Family units gave an average of $300 a month, which comes out to be about 30. That means an average household in Eastern Heights Baptist Church makes $36,000 total, which is just above the poverty line for a family of four in the state of Georgia. Okay, so we know that we are above that, right? So that tells us a couple of things. It tells us that a lot of folks are not giving here at Eastern Heights, okay, financially. It tells us that those who did give something, 
he, uh, did not give a tithe. They did not give 10%, and they're not doing it regularly, but it also tells us with those numbers that there are a lot of people who have been very generous givers as well. Now, another thing that it gave us, and this makes it clear, I think, for us, it gives us a breakdown of the age groups who gave here at Eastern Heights Baptist Church. Those who were ages 40 and below gave uh, 15% of our total income last year, okay? 40 and below. Those 41 through 60 gave a total of 28% of our income, while those 61 to age 70 gave 22% of our income. Now, are you ready? How much are we missing? Any of you really math geniuses out there? We're missing 50% or we're missing uh, 35%. Ages 70 and above gave 35% of our total income last year. So 70 and above and 40 and below gave 50% of our total income and everybody in between 40 and 70 gave the other 50%. So that's just who we are last year as Eastern Heights. But you know the beautiful part about this is together as a church, we gave almost $84,000 to 22 missions groups. All right? Almost $84,000 to 22 mission groups. That tells me we are a mission-minded church and that we are a generous church when it comes to giving to other people. But what about the financial you? Where are you personally on this ladder? Because the new you in 2022 financially is going to be a journey for some of you. It's going to be a process, and that process begins with the first step. And so for many of you, the first step toward giving with excellence is to give for the first time. You've never given before. Matter of fact, some of you that are new to church and Christianity, you didn't even know you were supposed to give to the church, or you have this wrong idea about why you're supposed to give, and because you've got false information, you've made a decision, you're not going to give, so hopefully today you're going to get the truth, and it will change your heart about it, and I pray that that's what happens, but the, this will get you on the first rung of the ladder, is that if you give a gift of any kind, and some of those 135 giving units, they, they weren't a tithe, it was just a gift of some sort, they might have given something just one time for something, but that gets you on the, the latter, and, and I say many of you, this is going to be your first step because statistics tell us that in churches, the average church in America, that 40% of those who attend do not give anything. So I think our church is probably a little bit better than that, but I'm probably still hitting a, a pretty high percentage of you out there that this is going to be your first step is you're going to give for the, for the first time. And I know some of you are sitting there thinking, you know, finances is kind of personal. You know, and it's really none of your business. And you know, you'd be right. And I am so glad that it's not any of my business because it takes a huge burden off of me as your pastor. I don't have to give an account as to what Eastern Heights gives to the Lord one day. What I've got to give an account for is what I gave to the Lord. And what you've got to give an account for is what you gave to the Lord. But as your pastor, what I do have to give an account for is the fact that I taught you the truth of God's Word about what you are supposed to be doing with your finances and giving to God. So that's what we're doing today. Matthew 6, 21 says, He wants to bless you financially so you can be a blessing to others. It says, Wherever your treasure is, though, there the desires of your heart will also be. 
And so God reveals where our heart is in our relationship to Him with our giving. And that's why some of us are kind of lower down here. It kind of tells us where our relationship with God is. So the new year in 2022 is going to need to take this first step and give something to God. And that's where you start, but that's not where God wants you to end up. He wants you to take a next step, and that would be to give occasionally, okay? And that's what some of you do. You give occasionally, that, and what that means is usually you'll end up giving something to the church if there's anything left over at the end of the month, right? And you know what? That, that's a good thing to do. It's where you start, but that's not where God wants you to end up. And so for you, God has challenged you to move from the first-time gift and occasional gift to becoming an intentional Giver, and I know that's small, but it says I give consistently, but less than ten percent of my income. All right, I give intentionally, and so that's where God wants you to move next is being an intentional giver, where you say the first thing on my budget line is to give to Eastern Heights Baptist Church, and you're going to start writing out a check every month, just like you do for your cell phone and your cable bill and your electricity and all that other kind of stuff. And I know some of you sitting there thinking, "What's a check?" All right. You don't write checks anymore. Well, that's why we have online giving, okay? And you can go online, and you can give online, and uh, you can give intentionally by putting in your information and, and giving a gift to this church, all right? And uh, we want you to do that because that means it'll be automatic, it'll be intentional, it'll come straight out of your account, and you can become an intentional giver. And that's where a lot of folks go to. They'll, they'll take this first couple of steps, and then they'll even go to that third step, but then they kind of get stuck there, okay? And the new you financially that God wants you to be is moving on up this ladder. I want you to think of it this way. If you're giving less than a tithe, which means 10% of your income, if you're giving less than that, or you're just giving occasionally from the leftovers, I want you to understand and see that as partial obedience to God, okay? And partial obedience is better than no obedience at all, right? I mean, that's a good thing. You're headed in the right direction, but it's kind of like as a parent when your child only obeys you halfway, right? And so as a child of God, you need to understand that partial obedience, and brace up because it's going to sting a little bit, but as a child of God, partial obedience is really nothing more than complete disobedience. Okay, told you. Kind of stings a little bit. Partial obedience is really nothing more than complete disobedience. Malachi 3, verse 8 and 9. A lot of us are familiar with verse 8, not so much with verse 9. It says, should people cheat God? That's a rhetorical question with an absolute no as the answer. No, you don't cheat God. Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And God said, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due me. And then verse 9 is the one we gloss over a little bit. It says, You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. So God's made it His business to be concerned with your finances to the point where He says, if you're not obedient with them, that you're going to be put under a curse. Now, I don't want you to go out and discuss over lunch today about how the crazy preacher down there at Eastern Heights has put God at the level of witches where He's out there putting curses on everybody. All right? That's not what we're saying here. What I want you to go out and talk about at lunch and understand is you're already, many of you, living under the curse that you put yourself under by being disobedient. God, and you know what that curse is? It's that stress we were talking about. 
It's that fear. That worrying constantly about your finances because of what you're doing with them when it comes to obeying or disobeying God with them. Now, here's a question I want you to answer, and it's a simple question because you remember where I'm from, right? We got to keep things simple, all right? Simple question. In order to move up to the next level, you've got to make a choice, and the question is this. Do you want to live on the 90% with God's blessing, or do you want to live on the 100% under God's curse? Told you it's pretty simple, isn't it? That one's easy. So why is all this important, God? I mean, why is he all up in my financial business? I mean, you've already told me he doesn't need it, and he doesn't, all right? But from God's perspective, he wants you to understand it's about your relationship with where you are with him. And he's more concerned not about the quantity of the gift, but the quality of the gift. Is it, is it from the heart? Is it from the first part, or is it coming from the leftovers? He's more concerned about the priority of the gift, not just the proportion of the gift. Is it coming from a place where you said, God, you're number one in my life, not only spiritually and physically and emotionally, but in my finances too. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Not the leftovers, the best part. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow, not just come up to the top, not just, the, not just where the minimum is, but it will overflow with good wine. In other words, you give God the best and he'll provide all the rest. Just give God the best, he'll provide for the rest. So I want to challenge you. For those of you who are giving intentionally, but you're giving less than 10% to move up to this next level that's called tithing, where you faithfully give 100%, 100% yes, where you give 100% of your income. You will be blessed, all right? But no, let's, let's just start with 10%. We still got another level to go, so hold on to that one. All right, I got ahead of myself. 10% of your income, your overall income to God. Now, what you're going to have to do if you do this is you're going to face two battles, all right? The first battle is this. You're going you're to sit there and think, well, I will. I'm going to start doing that as soon as I start making more money, all right? When I start making more money, I'm going to start doing that because I, I think you're right. I think it's a good idea, all right? Now, again, let's go back to a simple question. Is it easier to tithe off $10 or $1,000? See, the more money you make, the more you're going to be giving. It's easier to tithe off of less than it is more. It's harder to tithe off of the more. So look, just start where you are and then let God give you the rest. Start where you are, tithe 10% on what you're making right now. Okay. Now the second battle you're going to have to face is this one. You're going to have to face the battle of, well, am I going to tithe on my net or am I going to tithe on my gross? Well, another simple question. Do you want God to bless you on the net or the gross? All right? Yeah, you can, you can laugh. That was a good one. Okay? I, I worked on it all week. Do, do, you want, do you want God just to bless you a little or do you want him to bless you a lot? It's not hard, folks. So here's the challenge for those of you stepping up to this next level, level called tithing. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take what I call the three-month challenge, where you tithe 
for three months of your overall income. And here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out a card in front of you. There should be some cards in front of you, a Connect card, or there should be a piece of paper somewhere in a lady's purse next to you. Men, if you don't have, can't find a Connect card or something, they probably got a writing utensil in their purse somewhere. I want you, if you are ready to move up to this level, I want you to get something out before you leave this service, and I want you to write your name on it, and I want you to write down, I'm taking the three-month challenge. And then on your way out in that offering box over there on the way out on the right side of the wall over there right before you go out the door, you can just slide that information right into that box, okay? That'll be your first gift for us, all right? That'll be your first gift to God. You're going to put that in there. I'm taking the three-month challenge. Now, when we get that, and, and I'm not going to know who it all is. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, but we're going to send you a gift, okay? We're going to send you a free gift for just putting that in there. So see, you're already going to get something for giving something, all right? We're going to send you something in the mail about that. And here's why I want you to do. This is why I want you to do that. Number one, you're confirming your commitment to yourself that you're going to move up to that next level of tithing, okay, by taking this three-month challenge. You know what the second thing you're going to do? You're also going to put God to the test. You're going to put God to the test by taking this three-month challenge. Because I'm telling you, if you'll, if you'll tithe for three months, your financial health is going to improve dramatically. And God's going to bless you in ways that you have never seen before. And I can tell you that because of God's truth in His Word. All right? But you've got to take that challenge. And so you're going to put God to the test. And did you know that this is the only area in the Bible that says that we can ask God to test us with? No other area, but we can ask God to test him in this area. It's the only place that we can put God to the test. Remember those two verses in Malachi I read you? Number one was about uh, cheating God, and number two was about the curse for cheating God. Guess what the next verse is right after that? It's Malachi 3.10. It says this, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, you got a picture of that, folks? That's a pretty big person. The Lord of Heaven's armies says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Can you visualize that, folks? You ever wanted to peek into heaven? Well, then open up your checkbook. Okay? That's what it says. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't even have enough room to take it in. You cannot outgive God, folks. And then there it is. It says, try it. That three month challenge, that's biblical, folks. That's not me just coming up with an idea. That's biblical. It says, try it. And then it says, put me to the test. God says, try me. Just try me. See if you can outgive me. You can't do it. You won't do it. So commit to the tithe for the threat next three months. See if your financial health, as long as your stress and all those other things, doesn't improve a lot. I promise you it will. So we've got some offering envelopes out here at the Hub. We've got online that you can do it with. We've got apps that you can do it with. You can put, set it up on an automatic debit plan. It doesn't cost you anything else to do that. You can set it up however often you want it and for whatever amount you want it. But what you're going to come back in three months and say is you're going to say, Brother Nicky, man, you're not going to believe what happens. And I'm going to say, I do believe because God said it was going to happen. You're going to, you're going to say, Brother Nicky, what you said was true. And I'm going to say, it wasn't what I said, it was what God said. All right, but in three months, everything's going to be different for you because you cannot 
out give God. So you, you probably said, well, we've gone to the highest level now. I mean, we're, we're obeying God. We're giving 10%. But there's one more level called the extravagant giver where you give beyond the tithe. And that's the challenge for you today is to step up to this next level. Why would you do it? Well, for the same reasons why you would do any of the other steps. It's because God wants to bless you financially so that you can be a blessing to other people. And none of us are limited to that 10%. That's just obedience. Extravagant giving, generous giving, is when you give more than 10%. How many of you here today would like to be a blessing to somebody? All of us. Absolutely, all of us would. Well, it begins with becoming a generous giver and taking these steps all the way to the point where we can be an extravagant giver. Here's what the Lord says about it in Mark chapter 12. While you turn over, and I do want you to turn over to Mark 12, I want you to see this thing that's important. Jesus has been teaching in the temple all day, and guess who he's been talking to? He's been talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all the religious people of that day, okay? And he'd been doing what's called shucking the corn with them, okay? And I'm pretty sure that means the same thing in Georgia as it does in Alabama. It means he'd been getting on them pretty hard and pretty heavy about how wrong they were with all their practices, with their religious motions and all this kind of stuff that they were into, all right? So basically, he's at the end of a long day of rebuking all of these religious leaders there, and he sits, he sits down to rest for just a minute. And that's where we pick up the story in chapter 41. It says, Jesus sat down, and he could have sat down anywhere in the temple. But what did he do? Well, like all good preachers do. He sat down near the collection box in the temple. <laughs> that's a joke, folks. I, I wouldn't do that. Okay? I don't stand over there because it's near the box. I don't watch people give, all right? I stand over there because that's where everybody's going out, okay? But anyway, we don't, we don't do that, but Jesus did. He sat down near the temp, uh, collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Can you imagine? Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called the disciples to him and said, Hey, fellas, get over here. Get over here right now. There is something important I need you to learn. He says, I tell you the truth, guys. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Didn't give much. She just gave all that she had. She emptied her checkbook. What I want you to see is Jesus did not show pity on this woman. He didn't go over there to the collection box and bust it open and grab all the money and give it to her and say, hey, because of your great contribution today, because you were willing to give your all, here's all this money. You go take it. He didn't tell her that, you know, because you gave all your, you know, that you had to God that you're going to win the lottery tomorrow. That's not what God promises. And I don't know what happened to this lady. We don't know, but I promise you God took care of her. I guarantee he did because he said he would. But what he does is he holds this woman up to his disciples as a model of faith in God and in generosity. He said, guys, this is what we're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to have this kind of faith in me and my kingdom that you would give everything that you have and then trust me to provide you with what you need. So I don't know where you are on the generosity ladder, but every single one of us in here is somewhere. Go back to that ladder there. Every one of us in here, we're somewhere on this ladder. 
all of us, okay, unless you haven't given for the first time. And that'll get you on the ladder. That, that, that might be your first step. But God's new year for 2022 is he wants us to be an extravagant giver. That's his goal for each and every one of his children is to become extravagant givers. So the real question for us to answer today, that's what God wants for you, but what do you want for you when it comes to your finances? What do you want? And this is not just for adults. This is for young people, children. You, you ought to have a jar for spending. You ought to have a jar for saving. You ought to have a jar for giving to the Lord. Whatever you get, give it to Him. See, the further up you go on the generosity ladder, the more it shows that your dependence is on God instead of yourself for what you need. And the further up you go and the more you give, the more you become like Christ, which is our goal, right? Is to be like Christ. And didn't Christ give a lot? Yes, he was a generous giver. He gave his all. And so the more we give, the more we are like Christ. I want to close going back to the church at Corinth, all right? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this. You see, Paul, he, I'm not sure where he was from exactly, but I think I might have an idea because he keeps it really simple. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And then I want you to underline the first part of verse 7 here. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Underline that. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, but God, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Not only that, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Like I said, before you came in here today, you, you, you might not have any idea you were even supposed to give anything to God financially, that you were supposed to even give to the church. Or maybe you've heard that that's all the church ever wanted was your money. And sure enough, first Sunday you show up, that's all I talked about all, all day, right? But hopefully you've understood today that God, He's got a plan for your life financially. He wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And so I hope that you'll see it that way with your heart today. And that you will take whatever your next step might be in obedience to do what God wants you to do financially. Would you join me in prayer today? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Where are you on the generosity ladder? Would you be willing to make the next step. If so, pray this prayer with me. Father, you gave your all for us. Father, give us the strength and courage we need to take to take that next step toward becoming the extravagant giver you want us to be and that you created us to be. Father, we know that we are more blessed when we give than when we receive. And so we ask today that you'd move our hearts to be givers. Create a new you in each of us financially that you want us to be. And we pray that you would do it beginning today. And we ask it in the name of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. You know, not only can today be life-changing for you, 
But because of the life change that God's going to do in your life financially, it's going to be life-changing for other people around you. And that's who God created us to be, is to be life-changers. So I pray that that's what will happen today. I pray that you'll be blessed for being here. I hope you'll be here next week. We're going to have a combined service. We're going to have communion together. And we're going to talk about our relational health as we wind up this series on the new year and the new year. Let's all stand together as we share, as we sing together, and we go out to be life changers for God. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.